Bringing you cutting-edge insights from the world of technology. Join us to hear thought leaders explore the ever-evolving world of technology and telecoms to keep your industry knowledge up to the minute. You are listening to The Spearline Podcast. You have reached Sorry, the number, the number that has you have been disconnected is not in service is no longer in service. Welcome back to The Spearline Podcast. On this episode, Josh and I are delighted to be joined by Spearline's Chief Customer Engagement Officer, Dan Hayes. Dan has many years' experience in the telecommunications industry, and we discussed the audio and connection issues he faced before becoming a customer of Spearline, the impact these can have on the customer experience, how telecommunications has developed and adapted over the past year, and a lot more. It makes for an exciting listen, so let's get right into it. Enjoy the episode, and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Dan, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your experiences in the telecoms industry and about your role here at Spearline? Sure, Josh. So obviously, um, yeah, I, my own background ultimately goes way, way back. I, my background ultimately is electronic engineering. And uh, I guess the first area part of my career was involved in process control in, in paper mills, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and industrial systems. Um, manufacturing tires and things like that. Um, but, you know, many, many years ago that I moved from that into the whole air telecommunications uh, and I got my grounding ultimately in telecommunications with Motorola. Um, so I, I guess I had some exciting times there. Wow, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, deploying telephone switches in places like Cairo and Singapore um, uh, many, many years ago. So that was a very, very good grounding um, in, the te- in, in mobile telephony. Definitely. And those core principles uh, um, ultimately are, are still valid to this day. Um, I guess I moved from there. Um, I joined PGI um, yeah, back, I guess, 2009. I think I joined PGI. And again, I took that core knowledge of telecommunications into the conference and collaboration space. Um, then managed various teams there from, you know, I was in operations, project management, um, service management, sales engineering, solution architecture, um, various roles in PGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I had a lot of interaction with customers, which I really, really enjoyed actually. Um, so it was ultimately blending my technical knowledge of telecommunications in general as applied in a conference collaboration space and then interacting with customers. Uh, I think that's actually probably where um, yeah, I've most, yeah, I, I've enjoyed most in my career to date. Okay. Excellent. Uh, then I joined Spearline just over a year ago, actually, um, in, in May of last year, took on the role of Chief Customer Engagement Officer, which again is ideal because you know it is utilizing my knowledge of telecommunications mm-hmm. in general, uh, and then specifically in the UCAS space. And I guess I've learned a lot since then, actually, you know, breaking that out actually into the whole area of contact centers as well. Um, and then working with a team and engaging with customers. So yeah, it's been a um, it's been a fantastic experience to date. Excellent. And and in your previous roles, when, when you were working um, in the video and audio conferencing industry, you, you were also a customer of Spearline at one stage. But before Spearline, were there any notable scenarios that you faced where you know where you faced a serious issue, and how would you have resolved it back then before using Spearline? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and there were challenges. So uh, in a conference collaboration space, and it's interesting, actually, uh, you know, a single audio, a degraded audio line can have a quite a substantial impact on um, not only, a, you know, a conference may have, you know, has obviously multiple participants on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that one audio line, poor audio line can give a bad experience to a, a lot of people, number one. Number two, of course, you know, they can be of different levels in an organization. They could be senior executives making a global deal. Um, right. So it, they can, you know, the impact of those experiences actually can be can be um, quite immense. Um, how we dealt with it, um, actually we used uh, some technical standards, one called Kepler-Trego, which is a, a logical problem analysis methodology, um, trying to figure out where problems existed and where problems did not exist, and just triangulating down to where the problem was. Okay. And that requires a lot of manual testing. It, it requires basically testing lots and lots of scenarios to validate where problems exist and where problems don't exist. Okay. Um, and then just triangulating down to rule things in and rule things out, you ultimately resolve. Identify the problem and resolve its root cause. Quite tedious. Mm-hmm. The, the basis of it is is sound, um, but it can be quite time consuming, right? To, uh, to perform that. Yeah, yeah, and now all that manual testing would have been been done in house, obviously. Then y- yes, it can be done in house, or else you might have had to. Um, you know, we would have had operations teams around the world, and you know, we would have engaged with various operations teams ar- around the world to go and um, participate in the testing, which okay. just means requires more challenges because you're organizing people in different parts of the world, um, mm. trying to coordinate them at the same time um, to participate in these troubleshooting um, sessions. Right. And how, how did Spearline change it then? Well, Spearline, I, I guess it was multifaceted. Number one is um, just the logistics of organizing things become a lot simpler. Um, you know, a one of the engineers would go in and set up a session or set up a campaign, and we could test numbers anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, at the time that we wanted to go and test them, mm. and have all the results almost instantaneously. Um, so that was just that was just a simple thing. Number two, though, is you know we could run lots of campaigns. You know we can run tests every ten minutes for hours on end to you know put a load on some certain numbers to identify problems. Just trying to trying to coordinate that manual with engineers is very very time consuming mm-hmm. and very expensive. When you think about it, tying up engineers all around the world to execute tests um, over an extended period of time. Um, so yeah, that takes a lot of time. So yeah, it made things a lot simpler, a lot more flexible. Um, the results as well, you know, since we now also had a, a CDR and from a quality perspective, we had a PES score, you know, we had, um, we had objective data, um, so that we could measure things against. So we could see trends, um, either on the negative or on the positive, which just simply made the whole troubleshooting experience a lot simpler a lot less time consuming a lot less expensive right and that kind of leads on to my next question really like when you're talking about troubleshooting that what impact does poor audio quality have on the customer experience yeah and again it kind of goes back to my with a comment a bit earlier um it all depends on the customer is mm-hmm. um so obviously a, a poor audio quality is going to lead to a poor experience 
mm-hmm. um, and that impact can be it could be it could be quite trivial, but it could be quite immense as well. Um, so if you look at a conference and collaboration space, you know if there is senior executives um, have a call at eleven o'clock today to discuss a, a multi-billion dollar deal, and you know somebody brings in poor audio into the conference, then you know all the other participants in that conference will experience that poor audio also mm-hmm. and you know that may delay the deal so can't hear you guys we'll have to reconvene um we might have to put it up by a week people's calendars um are not aligned and that could have large financial consequences um for an organization but then again it may be as simple as you know you order something online at the weekend you know, there's been some issue with the actual product or service you've purchased. You you contact, you know, you ring into a contact center hotline. You're probably not in a great frame of mind to begin with, in the sense that something's gone wrong. She's going to ring them. Already frustrated, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can be frustrated. And actually, you know, that leaves, that gives a bad impression on the, on the product that you've just um, purchased. So mm-hmm. would you be kind of inclined to go and say you've had a, a good experience with that end product? Possibly not. Um, and that could have a big impact as well on, on, you know, obviously on the customer, but also the company as well who's providing that service. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we actually heard some some funny stories um, over the years of things happening while testing numbers. Um, in one case, a customer support number was being directed to a, a dentist practice in another country. Um, you probably have had similar stories to this too. Um, are there many things that could happen to a phone line without the knowledge of the business? Yes. Um, so, you know, and I think I might have mentioned this previously, um, so things happen, I guess. But uh, let's take, for example, in the middle of this week, all the telecommunications companies in the world worked perfectly well um, and there was no problems. But then things happen um, and changes occur. And a lot of those changes actually are planned. So, you know, engineers need to make changes to infrastructure, they need to, you know, add in new equipment. They need to replace old equipment. They need to do software upgrades. Um, they need to do firmware upgrades. Uh, you know, that goes on all of the time, and those changes actually, you know, will always create problems. We're human beings. We go and execute things, um, and then from those things that we, that are executed, um, problems occur, um, and you know there are processes in place to go and reduce. Um, the quantity and the impact of all those changes, but changes do cause problems all of the time. Um, in fact, we saw one of these ourselves only recently um, in the last two weeks testing for a one of the pharmaceutical companies okay. who were testing some of their vaccine lines um, where a number was terminating onto an adult line in the US, okay. um, which wasn't good. No. Um, <laughs> and that ultimately, in reality, if you think about it, that goes back... Um, to a change, um, probably in a routing table somewhere, and okay. the call got terminated onto the on, onto the wrong onto the wrong terminal number or into the wrong TDI um, in, in, associated with a telephone exchange. Right. Um, so these things do happen. Um, you, you will find other problems. I've seen them in the past. Actually, um, you can end up with crosstalk as well. Um, where on some, I guess it's primarily older communication platforms, mm-hmm. um, you kind of, it's almost like bleed from one audio line into another audio line where um, you could have, you could hear somebody in another conference 
um, okay. in error, obviously. Um, but it actually goes back to, sometimes back down to telephone networks um, where there are time slots getting mixed up on the trunks and, and various things like that can occur as well. Um, so yeah, these things happen um, all of the time. What's really, really good about Spearline is, um, you know, it, it goes back to quality and service assurance so that by using our services, um, validating frequently, you know, you can be assured of the stability of your service, um, even through these change windows, which go on all of the time. Right. Um, and I, I remember actually in, in PGI, what we used to do was um, we had campaigns set up for prior to change windows, which would okay. test um, platforms around the world. And you know, these tests would run for a few hours we get results, you know, everything is stable. Um, then the change window would proceed for seven, eight hours at different parts of the world. Uh, and then one of the first things that was executed after the change window were all of the um, post, what we call them was post deployment campaigns. So we'd run again another series of campaigns to validate that everything was stable after the change window. Right. So, and then prior to going back into production, the next production day, which again um, um, was ensuring that customers weren't impacted by anything that could go wrong during a change window. Okay. okay. And I, I suppose without um, a testing software like Spearline, for example, um, that there's no way for companies to know um, until it is too late. Yeah. In, I guess there's two, two things there. Um, um, you know, we do rely a lot, our customers do rely, rely um, a lot on people complaining. So if they right. find a bad experience, it's actually reporting that. Right. Uh, but very, very few people actually report problems. Yeah. Um, mm. And because of that, the majority of people don't report problems, um, but they won't report the problem back to the actual service provider, mm. but they will inform their friends about it. You know, they will complain about it um, um, on various various areas. In the past, that was done verbally, but now mm. with social media, um, you know, p- companies can get a bad reputation quite um, quite easily. Yeah, and spread like wildfire. Exactly. Um, and you'll hear actually funny things. It'll spread like wildfire, but um, it, it's far better to, you know, put in the investment um, up front to the automated service um, and quality validations and assurance validations rather than being exposed to the risk of um, you know, relying on a customer having a poor experience mm. and relying on them to tell you because they mm. probably won't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a shame, really. Yeah, that's life. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you recently had an interview with one of the journalists from UC Today and you had mentioned in the article that outbound testing had increased as did reliance on and the usage of VoIP technologies. Now, this was back around the midway point of the pandemic where you had this interview. Have you seen this increase or decrease as places have slowly begun returning to normal and our customers are gradually returning to the office? Yeah, great question, actually. It is it is interesting. Um, it is it is very, very interesting area. Um, we've had some engagement with large carriers of, of late, you know, some of our some of the large carriers in the world actually are our customer here at Spearline. And from discussions with them, you know, they have a good insight into what's actually happening out there. Um, so at the start, in the middle of the pandemic, um, you are correct, they, there was a move towards voice over IP and dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that has continued. 
Um, in fact, actually, throughout the second half of last year, that accelerated. And the focus on voice over IP yeah, has become quite dominant in the conference collaboration space. And also, to a lesser extent, the reliance on um, PSTN dialogue. Mm-hmm. Some people call it a call-me-back feature. So that, yeah, the mix of audio on conferencing platforms has changed dramatically in the last 12 months. Is it going to stay that way? Uh, yeah, I believe it will. And actually, I believe that the the volume um, of collaboration meetings uh, is actually only going to increase. Mm. Yeah. So you might say, why is that? And it's interesting, actually, because we've been talking about that to a number of companies. And some of their in, in, insights actually are quite interesting. So nobody believes that we're all going to go back into the office together. Right. Okay. I, I think what's probably going to happen are hybrid models. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So in the past, um, going back to pre-pandemic, we were all in the office. So we use conference collaboration for meetings, primarily with external organizations. You know, if you wanted a meeting in the office, you got people together. Mm-hmm. Um, so they met in an office, they met in a room. Um, but in a hybrid environment, um, you're still going to have people, you know, who want to collaborate internally, but their peers are not going to, some of them are not going to be in the office, but some of them are going to be in the office. Mm-hmm. So you're still going to have that level uh, of requirement for collaboration platforms, even with your own colleagues like you have right now. So that's still going to be there. But I think as well, the whole, you know, we've adopted so easily the conference and collaboration tools. So their adoption is just simply going to continue to continue to increase. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. I, th- I think after the past year that like er- everything that we everyone went through that really opened a lot of people's eyes where they're kind of, oh, I don't have to race down from Dublin down to the bottom West Cork for a meeting. Mm-hmm. I can just dial in. It's much easier if they weren't doing that already. Like some people still had that old traditional, we have to be in the meeting room now. Um, yeah, I, and I agree with you. I, 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 I agree with you. And it's going to be interesting well with the whole focus as well on climate change. Mm. Um, in the in the in the short, medium, long term, um, you know, the impact it will have um, on our thinking around collaboration, and I think actually, you know, as we progress in our battle against climate change, I think that will have a big bearing. Um, yeah. And I think you will see tools becoming a lot more sophisticated in this space, yeah. um, and their adoption will only increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think even our team now, we use a lot of interactive boards like Envision and Miro boards, and they've become mm. proper collaboration tools, you know, that you can use and they're easy to use. So it, it's definitely going the right way. Yeah. And you can do them like you can resolve issues in real time and like every, like yeah. multiple people can be in the same document or sheet or whatever and just edit it at the same time. And yeah, really, yeah. It, it's 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 much more practical, and it's exciting to see where things are going to go from here on as well. Especially with like going from the green angle as well that you're on about, Dan. Absolutely. Yeah, and ask. And actually, we live in very, very interesting times, and um, um, very, very interesting times. And actually, that's <laughs> kind of strange. Uh, COVID has been, you know, the fuse um, behind all of this. Uh, COVID, mm. I think, has the pandemic has ignited. A whole new area of telecommunications. I think we're really only beginning to see the start of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's exciting to see where things are going to go. Yep, indeed. You have reached Sorry, the number, the number you have dialed. Is not in service. No longer. Do you know if your phone lines are working? Are your customers complaining of bad audio quality on your support lines? Spearline makes it easy to test your phone lines anywhere and anytime. 
To see how Spearline can help your business, head to Spearline.com. Now back to the conversation. And just going back to uh, Spearline's customers, what would be one of the most memorable experiences that you faced helping a Spearline customer? Um, were, were there any difficult scenarios where you kind of had to roll up your sleeves and get into the, the nitty gritty of it all? Yeah, uh, I'll give you two examples of this. Um, okay. One one probably goes back to my time um, when I was your customer, when I was okay. a PGI. Um, uh, yeah, we had a picture very very large customer had some challenges and you know i was i was asked to engage in it uh, and it, it was a problem it was a very really good problem to resolve right and by again it kind of was a mixture of using a technique called capital trago but i'd also using the automation and objective results um from spearline um it helped us to resolve a very very complex problem actually um, okay. which had been going on months, actually many, many months, to go and identify where, surprisingly actually, our focus actually ended in was to find out where the problem did not exist. Okay. And where we, when we found out where the problem did not exist, it was very easy actually to find out where the problem actually yeah. did exist yeah. and to resolve it very, very quickly thereafter. Um, and you know, I was asked, I was pulled in actually into that project and literally had to go and run up my sleeve somewhat. Um mm to go and get involved in that one. But again, the use of the tool, the automation, the objective scores, um, and, and using it, you know, in a logical environment, yeah, was usually beneficial to us um, to, to resolve a problem. That was externally. One internally as well in the last number of months, interesting, um, large uh, context center organization um um you know they identified a a particular um, degradation um on audio quality from a carrier a specific carrier um and it was you know we we helped the context of the provider engage with our carrier providing the data um but we provided an additional level of, uh, I would say, audio analysis on on top of the standard PES score to okay. ultimately show them um, visually um, what was causing the audio degradation. Um, right. So it was a, a certain level of um, packet loss at, at defined frequencies in the media stream. Um, and it took some work with the with the carrier, but they identified the source of the problem. Um, and again, that actually had been going on for quite a number of months. Um, so that actually, that, that was very, very satisfying. You know, they took the data, um, they analyzed it, they've resolved the problem. And ultimately, you know, that carrier is now providing a higher quality service um, into that context center space. So I think that was very, very much a win-win situation for all parties there. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. showed the power of um, utilizing the, um, the Spearline tool set. Excellent. That kind of leads on to my next question is that from your experience working with all our customers, like what would be a very common problem most contact centers and UC providers face regularly and where does Spearline fit into all this? Yeah, common problems. That's a good question, actually, because um, you can get all sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. I guess probably from a bucket perspective, I was to go back and look at various classifications um, of of failure types. Probably the single, most, single biggest one actually are connection failures, mm-hmm. um, where you dial a number and you don't get through. Right. Um, and they tend to be down to 
you know, they're outages. Ultimately, they're down to outages, mm-hmm. and they can be they can be transient. Um, so a connection fails now, um, the carrier detects it, and they'll resolve it in a few hours' time. But you're not even aware of it, so the end customer may not even be aware of it. Yeah. Um, and that actually has a big impacts on various things, but it, there, it's hard to detect without Spearline. So for example, in a conference collaboration space, you know, if a number is unavailable for, let's say it's a, a one hour period in the morning, um, depending on volume of traffic, which you would normally experience, you, you might not experience it there and then. You know, they might go and look at the, the traffic volumes on that number tomorrow morning and say, oh, um, you know, that, there should have been more traffic on that number mm-hmm. to go back and test that it's now working again. So, you know, they don't necessarily uh, identify that, that connection with that number since when they tested it manually, but it was working fine. Uh, similarly, at contact centers, if a number is available for a short period of time, um, you may notice a, a slight drop in call volumes at a contact center, but then again, you may not. So, uh, and, and that can be quite common. Um, and that's why utilizing, again, for me, it's around service assurance by um, testing the numbers at the appropriate cadence for the business mm-hmm. um, um, to be assured that your number is available. Uh, it's interesting, actually, because we have some customers, because of the uh, the application that the numbers are hitting and what they're used for, um, so we've got some numbers and tests there those numbers are being turned into a sales contact center so in reality those numbers are the lifeblood of the organization they're bringing in sales into the organization they can't afford to be unaware when the problem occurs so right. they're actually testing their numbers um, every five minutes okay um that's how important um the availability of a number is to that organization yeah. um they can't afford to be unaware for five minutes, the availability of their numbers. Right, um, right. Yeah. And the same thing happens as well, you know, with other numbers, that, depending on the importance of the service. Again, you could have situations where the number, the volume of traffic on the number actually might be very, very low, um, but the number is a very, very important number. Um, for example, in the vaccine trials or in, during the vaccine rollouts, um, you know, pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, have a, um, a legal requirement to provide numbers in the event that you know some it could be a doctor, it, it could be a patient, you know, has a problem and needs to get in contact with the um, pharmaceutical company, you know, those numbers, you know, they have to be available twenty four seven three six five. Yeah. Um, and they cannot take the risk of the number not being available. Um, so again, our service is ideal because we provide that level of assurance. Um, on the availability and the quality of those numbers. Okay. So really finding um, the, the correct intervals to test, it, it really differs in every industry, really? Yeah, it differs, in, it, it differs in every industry. And it's not necessarily just purely on the volume of traffic on the number. Okay. Um, obviously, the volume is important, um, but whether it's a sales number, whether it's, you know, it's required for a regulated industry, um, you know, different industries will have different requirements. So it's okay. important actually to understand that industry and those requirements to to you know identify the appropriate cadence to provide the the service assurance for that number. Right, right. And um, do do you think Spearline has a strengthened relationships between between your customers over the past year? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, it was interesting when I joined last year when I got to know the team. You know, one of the things that I was uh, I, I'm somewhat amazed at actually, and okay. uh, it was referred as well to an external party. Um, you know, we've got a, a huge retention rate. It was a hundred percent customer retention rate. Right. Um, right. You know, out, out of this world, NPS scores mm. and uh, customer satisfaction scores. And that ultimately is a, it's not only just built by, you know, the superb platform and product service, if you will, that we offer, but it actually also a reflection of the people interactions to our mm-hmm. customer support organization, to our customer engagement organization, um, and other touch points that we have as well. You know, we build very, very strong bonds with our customers at various levels uh, within the new organizations. And actually, I think that's, you know, that is the bedrock mm. uh, on which the business ultimately has grown over the years mm. uh, and will continue to grow into the future. So uh, I think that's very important. Also, you know, it's true listening to customers and actually I always say actually feedback is the food of champions. Um, by listening to customers, understanding their challenges and problems, you know, they provide us with the ideas going forward. Um, into the new services, offer it, you know, the new service that we will offer in the coming weeks, months, years ahead. Mm-hmm. So that shows that like the customers do have an impact on Spearline as well. Like it's that you know we're listening to the feedback, we're taking it on, we're learning, and we're constantly evolving for the benefit of the customer. Oh, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. And mm-hmm. and we could also you know they identify into a certain as well. Like they they obviously inform us of where some of these markets are moving. Um, uh, and because of the fact that they inform us where the markets are moving, you know, we can ultimately stay ahead uh, of what's going on in the markets, which is very, very important. And you brought up about the the platform there. Um, how do how does Spearline support our customers after they've been fully set up with it, and then suddenly they encounter a serious issue? Yeah, so we've a we've a you know we've a quite a good and I would say an excellent uh, onboarding process mm-hmm. led by Shona. Uh, my team, um, with support from, from Katrina and others, um, so we, you know, we bring on board a customer, we train them, we work very very closely with them um, for the first number of weeks. So you know, we educate them on how to use the platform, we educate them on how to upload numbers, how to set up campaigns, and encourage them on best practice in those spaces, mm-hmm. um, best practice in alerting. Um, best practice in follow-up tests, which help actually automatically troubleshoot problems, um, which is very, very powerful. But, you know, once then things settle down, you know, the or once the onboarding has completed, um, the customer is handed over to a dedicated customer engagement manager. And that customer engagement manager then works closely with that customer, um, you know, as they continue um, on the use of the products to provide the service that they need. And what you'll find, obviously, okay, once, the first, you know, once they've encountered a problem the first time, you know, sometimes they, they will actually come back, engage with the um, customer engagement manager um, and ask on best practice and how to go, and, to go and utilize and how to go and use that data to go and help resolve problems. Oh, yeah. So we have on occasion, actually, you know, we have, you know, been what's the word copied into initial emails with carriers to help resolve problems. Now it's it's not our role to go and engage directly with carriers, you know, but we can advise the customer on how to best use the data um, 
to go and resolve problems quicker, more permanently, etc. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, we we had we've we've had um, previous customer engagement managers um, on the podcast before, and it's just really interesting to hear about their relationship with the customer and that that level of trust that each side has for one another. Um, and, and how like some of the relationships have actually just gotten stronger as the years have gone by, um, which has been hmm. great. Yeah, that's right. And I, 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 and I think that goes back to, I think I mentioned it earlier, about our, uh, the importance of that support customer engagement manager relationship with the customers. Um, you know, we're providing a service, uh, you know, based around a tool set, but it, the, the whole service is really, really important. And uh, I guess from a CM perspective as well, so they're dealing with, you know, they're dealing with a lot of customers, um, a, a lot of engagements. They come across a lot of problems. They've got huge uh, global knowledge when it comes to carriers, problems which occur, um, things which can be changing in a specific country, uh, um, and ultimately we can bring back, we can bring that to bear as well um, for the benefit of the end mm. customer, which yeah. is only good for them ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier, um, in the past year, we we all have significantly increased our use of um, telecommunication solutions and virtual meetings and interactive boards to remain connected while while apart. Um, now, as we see the world kind of slowly returning to normal, um, do you think our demand for telecommunications like these will continue? Yeah, uh, I think we spoke with a previous earlier. I think it will. Mm. Um, I think we have seen evidence of that ultimately um, already. Um, I know from speaking with um, some carriers, customer carriers of ours in the last number of months, um, you know, they're, what they're seeing in the market ultimately is that the use of telecommunications is just going to increase. Okay. Um, that is that is a fact. Um, the mix of audio um, will change. Right. So it will move from what we call traditional TDM circuits. It, it will move towards more towards voice over IP. Um, and that's voice over IP. We're not getting too technical. Voice over IP using a SIP stack um, or we're using WebRTC. Okay. Um, uh, for example, in, you know, in the conferencing application that we typically use on a day-to-day basis, that voice over the internet connection is typically what's known as a web RTC connection. Right. Um, and those connections will continue to grow. I think as well, the fact that we've all become so used to communications, you know, we use you know, the term Zoom, you know, is now part of the lexicon, yeah. which has ultimately been ingrained in society in the last 12 months. Um, and I think, yeah, that will continue to grow. Yeah. Same with contact centers. Um, I, I think as well, you know, I'd say the rise in e-commerce um, over the last 12 months um, when people, you know, traditional shops, et cetera, et cetera, close, huge rise in e-commerce, huge rise in engagement with contact centers for various things. Um, so all those agents have to communicate, have to connect in back into the contact center via an audio channel. So again, that is only going to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, so I think actually we're on the, we're on the cusp of you know, a, a big expansion actually in telecommunication industry in the coming years okay. um, because of these um, because ultimately of the the spark that COVID has given to the industry. Yeah, and how how do you think that will impact on carriers? Then um, will they need to upgrade all their lines and infrastructures? Yeah, the, the 
there will be a content yeah they do all of the time um uh, the, uh, it's interesting actually because you know legacy infrastructures tend to be quite expensive to go and um, maintain right so i think you'll find that the tdm environment will decrease and the voice over ip environment will increase um in fact we saw that only happening back a few months ago where in germany they literally have switched off the um their traditional um tdm environment uh pstn no longer exists okay. it's now it's all now moved to a, a sip environment mm. okay well and you will see more of that you know as time goes by yeah voice over ip it just simply used the internet internet technologies um which are you know far what's the word more common cheaper to maintain cheaper to manufacture than you know traditional telecommunications specific infrastructure which is quite you know unique quite expensive um to manufacture quite expensive to maintain um, okay. and that drive is only going to is only going to increase okay excellent i think this uh this wraps up everything dan um thank you so much for coming on to the show um this was an absolutely fantastic episode super josh yeah, it it was it, it was great speaking with you and discussing the experiences our customers face and how Spearline provides the necessary support in resolving any issues. Um, so yeah, some some really really good insights shared. Um, so thank thank you so much, uh, for taking the time. Yeah, thanks a million, Dan, for coming on to the show. If our listeners wanted to contact you to find out more about you and Spearline, where would they find you? Uh, you can find me on my email address, probably the best thing, which is dan at spearline Lovely, thanks, Dan. And that wraps up another fantastic episode. Massive thanks again to Dan Hayes, Spearline's Chief Customer Engagement Officer, for coming onto the show, sharing insights and stories about our customers and their experiences. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms so you won't miss any new episodes. Visit www.spearline.com forward slash the Spearline podcast so you can listen back to our previous episodes and don't forget to like share and subscribe on all your favorite social media platforms Spearline proactively monitors phone numbers for audio quality and connectivity globally our platform enables enterprises and telecommunications service providers to test connectivity and quality on global telecoms networks testing automatically at volume if you would like to find out more about how Spearline can help you please contact us at spearline.com. And for more insights and in-depth interviews like these, you can subscribe to the Spearline podcast channel and don't forget to check out spearline.com where you can find all of our latest articles, white papers and much more. Till next time, and thank you for listening to the Spearline podcast. Spearline.